When you've spent your blood, sweat, and tears building a business, it can be extremely challenging just to put the energy into selling when the time comes. And without proper planning and an ideal strategy, however, everything you earn could feel like a big waste if the sale goes awry. We really don't want to think about it. It's about kind of facing our mortality and facing our identity. And we, we all wear badges that you know has our company name on it. And who am I if I'm not that company? Thanks for checking out Management Decisions here on LJN Radio. I'm Tim Muma. Pamela Dennis, author of Exit Signs, joins us to talk about the vital components to successfully selling your business, something she did after nearly 20 years of building up her company on her own. Now, owners, you should be listening carefully to this. Thanks for joining us today, Pamela. I am delighted. I wanted to mention to listeners out there, again, Pamela, you know, you come to us with not only theories on uh, selling a business, but actually doing it yourself as well. So I wanted to get your opinion on how your experience in selling your company maybe altered your views, gave you some strategies that you use in the book Exit Signs. Oh, it influenced it tremendously. Part of the reason I wrote it was I'd had such a great experience in preparing and selling my own company. And yet the more I talked to small and mid-sized business owners, they were just struggling and waiting too long. And mm. so it influenced a lot about what I wrote. And so I, I tried to put it in terms of, you know, you're after three things. You're after a profitable sale because you've invested your often your life in this business. And I certainly wanted, I was depending on this for my retirement, as are about 75% of most business sure. owners. Um, second, I wanted... I wanted to have a sense of pride that I was leaving a sustainable business. I didn't want to just close the doors. I wanted to have it go on after me. It was kind of a legacy thing. Mm -hmm. And an awful lot of boomers, if you're a boomer person like I am, uh, have the same sense. They care about their people, they care about their customers, and they'd like to see that business go on. And then probably one of the biggest reasons we procrastinate so much is because we haven't figured out what the path forward is. So I wanted to talk about in the book, how do you sort of get a start on that path forward, at least so that you're brave enough to hand over the keys. So what would you say then is kind of the number one most common mistake that owners make when they do start thinking about, oh, I want to, I'm going to want to have to sell this business at some point? Well, if you're a broker, you would say the number one mistake is they overvalue what their business is worth. It's sort of like our house. We say, I love this house. I've done so much to it. It's worth, you know, $2 million. Of course, <laughs> none of the houses in the neighborhood in the last 30 years have ever sold for $2 million. Sure. Uh, so we overestimate the value of our business. And the second thing is we wait too long. Mm-hmm. So we know, for instance, that Anybody who spends less than a year and usually six months or less in getting their business ready to sell usually only gets 50 to 70% of the value of their business. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, we say in general, you you should look at a two to four year horizon. Now, that doesn't mean your company's on the market for two to four years. Mm -hmm. It means you start thinking about it in advance. You start saying, you know, you do a reality check. How sound is my company? Is is the company me? And if I leave, there's nothing to sell. So it, they most, I would say the number one B error is <laughs> they uh, is we wait too long. In, in my case, we we did a five year horizon. Now, do you think a lot of times with the waiting, it's it's a little bit of fear? Do you think it's 
just uncertainty of where to start? Because I feel like that could be a that's a major project to start thinking about where I'm going to go. I mean, what have you noticed from people you've talked with, some of your experiences? I had a great opportunity to talk to everybody from inn owners to retail stores to presidents of uh, 400 and 500 person uh, engineering companies. And I boil it down to three things. There's three reasons why there's such poor planning. And frankly, you know, there's 22 million small and mid-sized businesses in the United States, and only 13% of them have an exit strategy. Oh, jeez. Oh, that's, and I could go on and on about the devastating effects it could have on a community if only 20 to 30 percent of businesses sell that are on the that are going to be on the market. Mm-hmm. But I won't. <laughs> uh, instead, you asked what were why why do people wait so long and what keeps them from from doing this exit planning? And I think there's three reasons. One is we are so busy focused on running and growing our businesses. We just don't have time to think about something that's going to happen in four years from now. Right. Number two, we think it's too early. And that's kind of related, but um, I don't need to do it yet. And yet about 75% of people who have sold their businesses successfully wish they had started earlier. Hmm. And and that's because the urgent always trumps the strategic. Sure. And exit planning is about executing on a strategy. And then last, um, we really don't want to think about it. It's about kind of facing our mortality and hmm. facing our identity. And we, we all wear badges that, you know, has our company name on it. And who am I if I'm not that company? That's a that's an interesting one. That That's a deep one. Uh, I think I might have to have a, like a psychologist on to talk about that. But I think that's a fair <laughs> point, though. I, I think that makes a ton of sense, even more so than just having a career. As you said, this is this is yours. This is you. Yeah, it is. It, we, we put so much, if, if we're what I call late-stage career people, we've had our businesses for 20 years or so, then it's, a, it's our baby. And we, it's hard to give that baby away and let them go on to have another owner. But uh, uh, if we don't do that, then like anybody who even doesn't own a business, we're, eventually we're going to retire. Eventually we're going to leave that company. Hopefully it's not from a crisis. So right. we might as well have a plan for how to do it. Uh, yeah, I, I say the book is about three things. It's about how to prepare our head, our heart, and our company to transfer ownership. So there's a lot, a lot of books written about the financials, the market readiness, sure. the, you know, whether you use a broker. And that's all about getting your head prepared. And there are there's some really good articles about, you know, the first thing you need to do in preparing your company for a sale is get your books in order and make sure you've cleaned those books so that you're really showing what the true profit of the business is. Mm-hmm. That's part of getting your company ready. Sure. But getting our heart ready, that's a that's you seldom see a book that has all three of those parts in it. And I I'm proud of the fact that I tried to do all of those. <laughs> oh, I want to Go kind of a, maybe a little deeper with that. You mentioned kind of the, the head and the heart, I mean, the heart more so, really. I feel like that's where the pride in the company being sustainable, that legacy piece you talked about. Uh, why do you think that is something it, that owners should focus on or that they do focus on that becomes important when you're talking about an exit strategy and, and what exactly you want to do with your business? You know, Tim, even if I'm a brand-new company, startup entrepreneur, 
I need to understand what my end game is. Mm -hmm. And and my end game can be one of a couple things. One is I just want to have a great business going to give me a bunch of cash year to year, which I will go and invest and make sure um, it's been a great job. And when I'm done, I'm going to close it and it's over. And a lot of sole proprietors, that's a very um, viable strategy. The other alternative is, no, I want to grow this entity with employees and and suppliers and vertical integration and all those things. And I want to leave, I want to go on, hand it off, whether it's an IPO or whether it's a third-party acquisition. That's my strategy. I want something that endures beyond me. Now, if I'm an entrepreneur, I've got to figure out which of those two reasons I'm in business. If I've been in my company for 20 years and running it and growing it, I still have that same question. Mm-hmm. That makes me have to think about well, what is going to make my business saleable if that's my second, if that's my option, if that's my alternative is to grow and leave the business on to someone else, either inside my company, maybe it's my employees, maybe it's a, another manager, maybe it's a partner, or my family, if it's a family-owned business. Uh, maybe I want to get my folks prepared, to, my kids prepared to take it on after me. Actually, I was going to ask, because you, you mentioned that, and, and I've had that in the back of my mind as well. If it is a thing where you're planning on handing it to a family member or someone you know that's close in that way, does that create greater challenges as far as letting go or figuring out how that all works? Do you have to follow the same principles? You have to somehow separate the, the family side? I mean, how does that all work? Yeah, you know, it's many of the principles are the same. Okay. Um, you know, probably 90% of what's in exit signs applies to family businesses as well as um, non-family businesses. They all have to face reality and look and figure out what makes what is the value of their company. Sure. And what's the timing of of turning over the ownership. But for family-owned businesses, there's two kinds of transfers that happen. There's a power transfer and there's an asset transfer. So in a family business, I might say my son, I have sons, daughters, and nieces and nephews. And gosh, one of the the things I read was that family businesses are as agile within a generation as they are fragile across generations. Hmm. So when I interviewed a wonderful, fabulous, very successful greeting card company owner who had turned his company over to his three kids, he had spent his life and and the company's life sort of fetching them up, letting them find their way. They were interested in the business. They all wanted a role. and And through the 10 or 15 years as they were growing up from teenagers, and by the time he was ready at 75 to turn the business over, they kind of had found their niche. What he then did was he transferred both the ownership, meaning the shares and assets of the business, Mm -hmm. to those folks, but he also transferred the power of the business. They were running it, and he stepped aside. But some families will have you be shareholders. We're going to give you some of the ownership in the business, but we don't want you to run it. You're going to be kind of silent partners. Hmm. And there are some nieces and nephew generations that that's all they want. (laughs) They want to share in the profits. Have no interest in what the business is. Right. Just send me the dividend check. <laughs> um, but others, what's really getting hard for small businesses? I was interviewed by uh, Irish National Radio, and seventy-five percent of their companies are family-owned businesses. Mm-hmm. 
And they're finding that the second generation does not have much interest in taking them over. Wow. So bench strength and and transferring power to that second generation requires a lot of thought and a lot of preparation, a lot of development. In the end there, you're kind of alluding to it that it still comes back to that preparation and really understanding well in advance, okay, where are we going with this? Who is a viable person to take this over? Or as you said, maybe... Maybe this person, maybe this family member isn't going to take on that role, so we have to find other options. So I think, I think you covered a number of different areas there that are important for those listening that might be in a similar situation. Along with that, I did want to ask a little bit about having that viable path forward. Do you have any certain keys or strategies? And obviously, if people want uh, enormous detail into it, I'm sure they can check out your book, Exit Signs. But are there a couple of key points that people should be focusing on when you're looking to have that path forward? And are we talking about personally, professionally? Uh, I mean, what exactly does that encompass? Oh, that's such a, a big question, and there's <laughs> so much we could go into. That's why um, you're the expert. See, I just ask oh, the questions. You give us well, all I the just, answers. I'm just so passionate about it that it's hard for me not to talk about 15 things at once. Sure. But if I could... You know, in the book, I talk about it in, two, in two, uh, two ways. One is a lot of folks, when they sell their company, I, I remember a woman who sold her retail, a really successful retail store, and for the first six months after she sold it, she became the salesperson as hmm. opposed to the owner. And it worked brilliantly. I also interviewed the head of a family-owned business of, of charter, boat charters, who sold his business to his son, and his son wanted him to continue to operate it. And it didn't last six months before (laughs) they were head-to-head screaming at each other. So in the book, I talk about there's the professional roles one might play after you leave your business. And I talk about the the picture-on-the-wall ambassador role Mm. and uh, the guru consultant role and... um, the mini-me, you know, I'm a, I'm a shadow of my former self, but in this case, for instance, a big sporting goods store, when the father sold the business to his sons, um, he stayed on with a particular important contract they had with a supplier and made sure that for the next year, nothing went astray with regard to both customer and supplier. Mm-hmm. So he had a very specialized role. He was a mini-me, I call it. Um, so there are five different roles. And what I'd say in this is most of us would say, oh, well, I'll be a X. We better understand that there are certain expectations and constraints in those roles. And if we have the expectation that we want to be in control, we probably shouldn't be in the consultant role. If we want to be in the role of ambassador, we probably better not think we have anything to say about strategy. Mm. So I do a chapter on understanding what your role might be, but making sure you're picking the right one. And that, the, by the way, the new owner wants you to be, be that. <laughs> and yet, you know, the flip side of that is understanding, first of all, yourself. Sure. What is it in the past that has been the driver and motivator for what you've accomplished and what you've been thrilled about and so forth? And what is it about that driver that allows you to look at the future and say, I don't have to do the same thing to, mo- to meet those drivers. So what would be the kinds of things I could in- be involved in that might be very different? 
a, a lot of people make the mistake to think they need to go start a second business mm. or third business sure. because that's what they've done, and they only know how to do that. But that isn't what really motivates them. Pamela, once again, some excellent in-depth information for all of our listeners out there. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time on this edition of Management Decisions. We do want to thank you very much for joining us and sharing all of your perspectives once again. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And with that, we will wrap up this edition of Management Decisions. We were speaking with Pamela Dennis. Uh, she's the author of Exit Signs. She has a ton of experience in helping other individuals sell their businesses, something she did herself as well. If you want to find out more information about Pamela, just go to PamelaDennisPhD.com. And if you'd like to find out more about this or any of our shows, you can send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. We're always looking for suggestions for topics as well. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN, and you can always find all of our episodes on iTunes. Just search LJN Radio. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. I'm Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.